Welcome to Listening to the Giants, Episode 3. Welcome to the Listening to the Giants podcast, Episode 3. Thank you for listening. If this is your first visit to Listening to the Giants, thank you for taking the time to check us out. I hope you will find this podcast enjoyable and beneficial. If so, would you please tell a friend about it? In today's episode, we will be listening to the second chapter of Thoughts for Young Men by J.C. Ryle. If you're joining us for the first time, let me encourage you to check out the short biography of J.C. Ryle that you'll find at the beginning of episode two. I really think that knowing a little bit about our author will make listening to this book even more beneficial. In fact, be sure that you listen to the whole episode as it contains the introduction and the first chapter of our book. In chapter two, Ryle is going to highlight some of the dangers that young men face. No, I'm not going to list them for you now. It's much better if you hear Ryle present and explain them. However, I do want to remind us all of what Sinclair Ferguson said about this book. We heard this in the introduction to episode two, but I think it's worth repeating. Sinclair Ferguson said concerning thoughts for young men that, quote, all Christians, men or women, young or old, can read it with lasting benefit. It deserves to be widely read and circulated and will do spiritual good to every reader. I bring this up again because it is so easy for us to say, well, that applies to young men or fill in the blank and not me. When we say or even think this, then we are succumbing to the very first danger that J.C. Ryle exposes in chapter 2. Now, hopefully you're eager to know what that danger and the rest of them might be and how to avoid them. So, without any further delay, let's begin listening to the Giants. Chapter 2, Dangers of Young Men. In the second place, there are some special dangers against which young men need to be warned. One danger to young men is pride. I know well that all souls are in fearful peril. Old or young, it matters not. All have a race to run, a battle to fight, a heart to mortify, a world to overcome, a body to keep under, a devil to resist. And we may well say, who is sufficient for these things? But still, every age and condition has its own peculiar snares and temptations, and it is well to know them. He that is forewarned is forearmed. If I can only persuade you to be on your guard against the dangers I am going to name, I am sure I shall do your souls an essential service. Pride is the oldest sin in the world. Indeed, it was before the world. Satan and his angels fell by pride. They were not satisfied with their first estate. Thus pride stocked hell with its first inhabitants. Pride cast Adam out of paradise. He was not content with the place God assigned him. He tried to raise himself and fell. Thus sin, sorrow, and death entered in by pride. Pride sits in all our hearts by nature. We are born proud. Pride makes us rest satisfied with ourselves, 
Think we are good enough as we are. Stop our ears against advice. Refuse the gospel of Christ. Turn everyone to his own way. But pride never reigns anywhere so powerfully as in the heart of a young man. How common it is to see young men heady, high-minded, and impatient of counsel. How often they are rude and uncourteous to all about them, thinking that they are not valued and honored as they deserve. How often they will not stop to listen to a hint from an older person. They think they know everything. They are full of conceit of their own wisdom. They reckon elderly people, and especially their relations, stupid and dull and slow. They fancy they want no teaching or instruction themselves. They understand all things. It makes them almost angry to be spoken to. Like young horses, they cannot bear the least control. They must needs be independent and have their own way. They seem to think, like those whom Job mentioned, We are the people, and wisdom shall die with us. Job 12.2 And this is all pride. Such a one was Rehoboam, who despised the counsel of the old experienced men who stood before his father, and hearkened to the advice of the young men of his own generation. He lived to reap the consequences of his folly. There are many like him. Such a one was the prodigal son in the parable, who must needs have the portion of goods which fell to him, and set up for himself. He could not submit to live quietly under his father's roof, but would go into a far country and be his own master. Like the little child that will leave its mother's hand and walk alone, he soon smarted for his folly. He became wiser when he had to eat husks with the swine. But there are many like him. Young men, I beseech you earnestly, beware of pride. Two things are said to be very rare sights in the world. One is a young man humble, and the other is an old man content. I fear this saying is only too true. Be not proud of your own abilities, your own strength, your own knowledge, your own appearance, your own cleverness. Be not proud of yourself and your endowments of any kind. It all comes from not knowing yourself in the world. The older you grow and the more you see, the less reason you will find for being proud. Ignorance and inexperience are the pedestal of pride. Once let the pedestal be removed, and pride will soon come down. Remember how often Scripture sets before us the excellence of a humble spirit. How strongly we are warned not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Romans 12.3 How plainly we are told, If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8.2 How strict is the command, Put on humbleness of mind. Colossians 3.12 And again, be clothed with humility. 1 Peter 5.5 5. Alas, this is a garment of which many seem not to have so much as a rag. Think of the great example our Lord Jesus Christ leaves us in this respect. He washed the feet of his disciples, saying, Ye should do as I have done to you. John 13.15 It is written, 
Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. 2 Corinthians 8.9 And again, he made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Philippians 2.7-8 Surely to be proud is to be more like the devil and fallen Adam than like Christ. Surely it can never be mean and low-spirited to be like him. Think of the wisest man that ever lived. I mean, Solomon. See how he speaks of himself as a little child, as one who knew not how to go out or come in or manage for himself. 1 Kings 3, 7-8 That was a very different spirit from his brother Absalom's, who thought himself equal to anything. Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man who hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. 2 Samuel 15.4 That was a very different spirit from his brother Adonijah's, who exalted himself, saying, I will be king. 1 Kings 1.5 Humility was the beginning of Solomon's wisdom. He writes it down as his own experience. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Proverbs 26.12 Young men, lay to your heart the scriptures here quoted. Do not be too confident in your own judgment. Cease to be sure that you are always right and others wrong. Be distrustful of your own opinion when you find it contrary to that of older men than yourselves, and especially to that of your own parents. Age gives wisdom, and therefore deserves respect. It is a mark of Elihu's wisdom in the book of Job that he waited till Job had spoken because they were older than himself. Job 32.4 And afterwards he said, I am young and you are very old, wherefore I was afraid and durst not show you mine opinion. I said, days should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Job 32, 6-7 Modesty and silence are beautiful graces in young people. Never be ashamed of being a learner. Jesus was one at twelve years. When he was found in the temple, he was sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Luke 2, 46 The wisest men would tell you they are always learners and are humbled to find, after all, how little they know. The great Sir Isaac Newton used to say that he felt himself no better than a little child who had picked up a few precious stones on the shore of the sea of knowledge. Young men, if you would be wise, if you would be happy, remember the warning I give you. Beware of pride. Another danger to young men is the love of pleasure. Youth is the time when our passions are strongest, and like unruly children cry most loudly for indulgence. Youth is the time when we have generally most health and strength, death seems far away, and to enjoy ourselves in this life seems everything. Another danger to young men is the love of pleasure. Youth is the time when our passions are strongest, and like unruly children, 
cry most loudly for indulgence. Youth is a time when we have generally most health and strength. Death seems far away, and to enjoy ourselves in this life seems everything. Youth is a time when most people have few earthly cares or anxieties to take up their attention. And all these things help to make young men think of nothing so much as pleasure. I serve lusts and pleasures. That is the true answer many a young man should give, if asked, whose servant are you? Young men, time would fail me if I were to tell you all the fruits this love of pleasure produces, and all the ways in which it may do you harm. Why should I speak of reveling, feasting, drinking, gambling, theater-going, dancing, and the like? Few are to be found who do not know something of these things by bitter experience. And these are only instances. All things that give a feeling of excitement for the time, all things that drown thought and keep the mind in a constant whirl, all things that please the senses and gratify the flesh, these are the sort of things that have mighty power at your time of life, and they owe their power to the love of pleasure. Be on your guard. Do not be like those of whom Paul speaks, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. 2 Timothy 3.4 Remember what I say. If you would cleave to earthly pleasures, these are the things which murder souls. There is no surer way to get a seared conscience and a hard, impenitent heart than to give way to the desires of the flesh and mind. It seems nothing at first, but it tells in the long run. Consider what Peter says. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. 1 Peter 2.11 They destroy the soul's peace, break down its strength, lead it into hard captivity, make it a slave. Consider what Paul says, Mortify your members which are upon the earth, Colossians 3.5. They that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts, Galatians 5.24. I keep my body and bring it into subjection, 1 Corinthians 9.27. Once the body was a perfect mansion of the soul, but now it is all corrupt and disordered and needs constant watching. It is a burden to the soul, not a helpmeet, a hindrance, not an assistance. It may become a useful servant, but it is always a bad master. Consider again the words of Paul, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans 13.14 These, says Leighton, are the words, the very reading of which, so wrought with Augustine, that from a licentious young man he turned to a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. Young men, I wish this might be the case with all of you. Remember again, if you will cleave to earthly pleasures, they are all unsatisfying, empty, and vain. Like locusts in the vision in Revelation, They seem to have crowns on their heads, but like the same locusts, you will find they have stings, real stings, in their tails. All is not gold that glitters. All is not good that tastes sweet. All is not real pleasure that pleases for a time. Go and take your fill of earthly pleasures, if you will, 
you will never find your heart satisfied with them. There will always be a voice within crying, like the horse leech in the Proverbs, Give, give! There is an empty place there, which nothing but God can fill. You will find, as Solomon did by experience, that earthly pleasures are but a vain show. Vanity and vexation of spirit, whited sepulchres, fair to look at without, full of ashes and corruption within. Better be wise in time. Better write poison on all earthly pleasures. The most lawful of them must be used with moderation. All of them are soul-destroying if you give them your heart. And here I will not shrink from warning all men to remember the seventh commandment, to beware of adultery and fornication, of all impurity of every kind. I fear there is often a want of plain speaking on this part of God's law. But when I see how prophets and apostles have dealt with this subject, when I see the number of young men who walk in the footsteps of Reuben, and Hophni, and Phinehas, and Amnon, I for one cannot, with a good conscience, hold my peace. I doubt whether the world is any better for the excessive silence which prevails upon this commandment. For my own part, I feel it would be false and unscriptural delicacy in addressing young men not to speak of that which is preeminently the young man's sin. The breach of the seventh commandment is the sin above all others that, as Hosea says, takes away the heart. Hosea 4.11 It is the sin that leaves deeper scars upon the soul than any sin that a man can commit. It is a sin that slays its thousands in every age and has overthrown not a few of the saints of God in time past. Lot and Samson and David are fearful proofs. It is the sin that man dares to smile at and smooths over under the names of gaiety, unsteadiness, wildness, and irregularity. But it is the sin that the devil particularly rejoices over, for he is the unclean spirit, and it is the sin that God particularly abhors and declares he will judge. Hebrews 13.4 Young men, flee fornication, 1 Corinthians 6.18, if you love life. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience, Ephesians 5.6. Flee the occasions of it, the company of those who might draw you into it, the places where you might be tempted to it. Read what our Lord says about it in Matthew 5.28. Be like holy Job. Make a covenant with your eyes. Job 31.1. Flee talking of it. It is one of the things that ought not so much as to be named. You cannot handle pitch and not be defiled. Flee the thoughts of it. Resist them. Mortify them. Pray against them. Make any sacrifice rather than give way. Imagination is the hotbed where the sin is too often hatched. Guard your thoughts, and there is little fear about your deeds. Consider the caution I have been giving. If you forget all else, do not let this be forgotten. Another danger to young men is thoughtlessness and inconsideration. Want of thought is one simple reason why thousands of souls are cast away forever. Men will not consider, will not look forward, 
will not look around them, will not reflect on the end of their present course and the sure consequences of their present ways, and awake at last to find they are damned for want of thinking. Young men, none are in more danger of this than yourselves. You know little of the perils around you, and so you are heedless how you walk. You hate the trouble of sober, quiet thinking, and so you form wrong decisions and run your heads into sorrow. Young Esau must needs have his brother's pottage and sell his birthright. He never thought how much he should one day want it. Young Simeon and Levi must needs avenge their sister Dinah and slay the Shechemites. They never considered how much trouble and anxiety they might bring on their father Jacob and his house. Job seems to have been specially afraid of this thoughtlessness among his children. It is written that when they had a feast and the days of their feasting were gone about, Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job 1.5 Believe me, this world is not a world in which we can do well without thinking, and least of all do well in the matter of their souls. Don't think, whispers Satan. He knows that an unconverted heart is like a dishonest tradesman's books. It will not bear close inspection. Consider your ways, says the Word of God. Stop and think. Consider and be wise. Well, says the Spanish proverb, hurry comes from the devil. Just as men marry in haste and then repent at leisure, so they make mistakes about their souls in a minute and then suffer for it for years. Just as a bad servant does wrong and then says, I never gave it a thought. So young men run into sin and then say, I did not think about it. It did not look like sin. Not look like sin? What would you have? Sin will not come to you saying, I am sin. It would do little harm if it did. Sin always seems good and pleasant and desirable at the time of commission. Oh, get wisdom, get discretion. Remember the words of Solomon, Ponder the paths of thy feet, and let thy ways be established. Proverbs 4.26 It is a wise saying of Lord Bacon, Do nothing rashly. Stay a little, that you may make an end the sooner. Some, I dare say, will object that I am asking what is unreasonable, that youth is not the time of life when people ought to be grave and thoughtful. I answer, there is little danger of there being too much so in the present day. Foolish talking and jesting and joking and excessive merriment are only too common. Doubtless there is a time for all things. But to be always light and trifling is anything but wise. What says the wisest of men? It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Ecclesiastes 7, 2-4 Matthew Henry tells a story of a great statesman in Queen Elizabeth's time 
who retired from public life in his latter days and gave himself up to serious thought. His former gay companions came to visit him and told him he was becoming melancholy. No, he replied, I am serious, for all are serious round about me. God is serious in observing us. Christ is serious in interceding for us. The Spirit is serious in striving with us. The truths of God are serious. Our spiritual enemies are serious in their endeavors to ruin us. Poor, lost sinners are serious in hell. And why then should not you and I be serious too? Oh, young men, learn to be thoughtful. Learn to consider what you are doing and whither you are going. Make time for calm reflection. Commune with your own heart and be still. Remember my caution. Do not be lost merely for the want of thought. Another danger to young men is contempt of religion. This is also one of your special dangers. I always observe that none pay so little outward respect to religion as young men. None attend so badly on means of grace. None take so little part in our services when they are present at them. Use Bibles and prayer books so little. Sing so little. Listen to preaching so little. None are so generally absent at prayer meetings and lectures and all such weekday helps to the soul. Young men seem to think that they do not need these things, that they may be good for women and old men, but not for them. They appear ashamed of seeming to care about their souls. One would almost fancy they reckoned it a disgrace to go to heaven at all. And this is contempt of religion. It is the same spirit which made the young people of Bethel mock Elisha. And of this spirit I say to all young men, beware. If it be worthwhile to have a religion, it is worthwhile to be in earnest about it. Contempt of holy things is the high road to infidelity. Once let a man begin to make a jest and joke of any part of Christianity, and I am never surprised to hear that he has turned out a downright unbeliever. Young men, have you really made up your minds to this? Have you fairly looked into the gulf which is before you if you persist in despising religion? Call to mind the words of David, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Psalm 14.1 The fool, and none but the fool. He has said it, but he has never proved it. Remember, if there was a book which has been proved true from the beginning to end, and by every kind of evidence, that book is the Bible. It has defied the attacks of all enemies and fault finders. The word of the Lord is indeed tried. Psalm 1830. It has been tried in every way. And the more it has been tried, the more evidently has it been shown to be the very handiwork of God himself. What will you believe if you do not believe the Bible? There is no choice but to believe something ridiculous and absurd. Depend on it. No man is so grossly credulous as the man who denies the Bible to be the word of God. And if it be the word of God, take heed that you despise it not. Men may tell you there are difficulties in the Bible, things hard to understand. It would not be God's book if there were not. And what if there are? 
You do not despise medicines because you cannot explain all that your doctor does by them. But whatever men may say, the things needful to salvation are as clear as daylight. Be very sure of this. People never reject the Bible because they cannot understand it. They understand it only too well. They understand that it condemns their own behavior. They understand that it witnesses against their own sins and summons them to judgment. They try to believe it is false and useless because they do not like to allow it is true. A bad life, said the celebrated Lord Rochester, laying his hand on the Bible, a bad life is the only grand objection to this book. Men question the truth of Christianity, says South, because they hate the practice of it. Young men, when did God ever fail to keep his word? Never. What he has said, he has always done, and what he has spoken, he has always made good. Did he fail to keep his word at the flood? No. Did he fail with Sodom and Gomorrah? No. Did he fail with unbelieving Jerusalem? No. Has he failed with the Jews up to this very hour? No. He has never failed to fulfill his word. Take care lest you be found amongst those by whom God's word is despised. Never laugh at religion. Never make a jest of sacred things. Never mock those who are serious and earnest about their souls. A time may come when you will count those happy whom you laughed at. A time when your laughter will be turned into sorrow and your mockery into heaviness. Another danger to young men is the fear of man's opinion. The fear of man does indeed bring a snare. Proverbs 29.25 It is terrible to observe the power which it has over most minds, and especially over the minds of the young. Few seem to have any opinions of their own or to think for themselves. Like dead fish, they go with the stream and tide. What others think right, they think right. And what others call wrong, they call wrong too. There are not many original thinkers in the world. Most men are like sheep, they follow a leader. If it was the fashion of the day to be Romanists, they would be Romanists. If to be Mahometans, they would be Mahometans. They dread the idea of going against the current of the times. In a word, the opinion of the day becomes their religion, their creed, their Bible, and their God. The thought, what will my friends say or think of me, nips many a good inclination in the bud. The fear of being observed upon, laughed at, ridiculed, prevents many a good habit being taken up. There are Bibles that would be read this very day if the owners dared. They know that they ought to read them, but they are afraid. What will people say? There are knees that would be bent in prayer this very night, but the fear of man forbids it. What would my wife, my brother, my friend, my companion say if they saw me praying? Alas, what wretched slavery this is, and yet how common! I feared the people, said Saul to Samuel, and so he transgressed the commandment of the Lord. 1 Samuel 15.24 I am afraid of the Jews, said Zedekiah, the graceless king of Judah, and so he disobeyed the advice which Jeremiah gave him. Jeremiah 38.19 
Herod was afraid of what his guests would think of him, so he did that which made him exceeding sorry. He beheaded John the Baptist. Pilate feared offending the Jews, so he did that which he knew in his conscience was unjust. He delivered up Jesus to be crucified. If this not be slavery, what is? Young men, I want you all to be free from this bondage. I want you each to care nothing for man's opinion when the path of duty is clear. Believe me, it is a great thing to be able to say no. Here was good King Jehoshaphat's weak point. He was too easy and yielding in his dealings with Ahab, and hence many of his troubles. 1 Kings 22.4 Learn to say no. Let not the fear of not seeming good-natured make you unable to do it. When sinners entice you, be able to say decidedly, I will not consent. Proverbs 1.10 Consider only how unreasonable this fear of man is. How short-lived is man's enmity, and how little harm he can do to you. Who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the son of man which shall be as grass? And forgettest the Lord thy Maker, that has stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundations of the earth? Isaiah 51, 12-13 And how thankless is this fear! None will really think better of you for it. The world always respects those most who act boldly for God. Oh, break these bonds and cast these chains from you. Never be ashamed of letting men see you want to go to heaven. Think it no disgrace to show yourself a servant of God. Never be afraid of doing what is right. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10.28 Only try to please God, and he can soon make others pleased with you. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16.7 Young men, be of good courage. Care not for what the world says or thinks. You will not be with the world always. Can man save your soul? No. Will man be your judge in the great and dreadful day of account? No. Can man give you a good conscience in life, a good hope in death, a good answer in the morning of resurrection? No, no, no. Man can do nothing of the sort. Then fear not the reproach of men. Neither be afraid of their revilings, for the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. Isaiah 51, 7-8 Call to mind the saying of good Colonel Gardner, I fear God, and therefore I have none else to fear. Go and be like him. Such are the warnings I give you. Lay them to heart. They are worth thinking over. I am very much mistaken if they are not greatly needed. The Lord grant they may not have been given you in vain. That's our podcast for today. I hope that you enjoyed Chapter 2 of Thoughts for Young Men. 
Chapter 3 will be posted in two weeks. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to Listening to the Giants on your favorite podcast platform. And if you do, you'll be notified when the next episode is posted. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Let me invite you also to visit the Listening to the Giants website at listeningtothegiants.com. There you'll find links for subscribing to your favorite podcast platform. You can listen to past episodes, browse some helpful links, and even leave us a message. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time as we listen to the Giants. Thank you.